Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around the front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the T.C. Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fuchsow. Right out front. Younger fit inside of the net. Now in. And a very good Wednesday to you. Middle of the work week. Hump day. TC Martin. Ballpark. VGK Frank in the house. Numchuck on the other side of the glass. Making it happen for you. Here we go. Uh, big day today. Big night tonight. The Golden Knights. Back in action at uh, T-Mobile Arena. A little bit of a rest, and they take on the Colorado Avalanche tonight, really in a game that has a lot of uh, first-place implications and meanings, even though the Golden Knights are on a nine-game win streak and still but uh, four points uh, better than Colorado with a regulation victory tonight. Be a six-point advantage. Six-point advantage. With eight with, games to yeah, go. With eight games to go. Yeah. Colorado does have a pretty easy-looking stretch down the road, but as you know, you have to come up and win those games. I mean, they lost to St. Louis the last two games leading into this one. They still have COVID issues on the team. Grubauer not playing. I believe Ranton and Donskoy also out tonight. So, you know, it's definitely a wounded Avalanche team coming in here. So I know Vegas has a couple injuries of their own, and uh, Fleury was first off the ice, so it does look, does look like Marc-Andre Fleury mm-hmm. as the rotation continues between the pipes. Right, and uh, in between the pipes, a big advantage Golden Knight tonight as you said Grubauer out uh, they're starting uh, goalie and uh, their backup not really good Devin Dubnik has not played well <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean he played good the one game he played against Vegas when he first yeah. came there remember he was a quality goaltender with Minnesota it wasn't that long ago that Bruce Boudreau when he was behind the bench with the Wild said that he thought Dubnik was as good as any goalie in the league and he literally meant any one of them he's got good size 6'3 or 6'4 but, boy, he has fallen on hard times this year. Had a tough time uh, stopping the puck. He did in the St. Louis series as well. I thought he'd be a nice addition picking him up right there at the trade deadline, giving them a little bit of goalie depth. It has not panned out for him up to this up to this point. Big game for him tonight and for the Avalanche. I think it's a bigger game for Colorado than Vegas because they, they fall six points behind, even though Colorado's got a semi-easy schedule left. I mean, Vegas should be able to hold on to that lead, although they will play each other one more time because remember that one game that was moved, and it's I believe it's April 10th now, So, because this should actually be the second of back-to-back games. Right, right. So uh, we always talk about the Golden Knights uh, being these huge favorites, especially at home. Tonight, if you want to bet the Golden Knights, you will get uh, – a bargain at only a dollar forty tonight. Yeah, when was the last time we've seen that? <laughs> well, and and it's because they're finally playing a good team, right? I mean, let's be honest about it. I mean, but the good value because, like you said, Colorado is really banged up, oh, and it is a good up. spot for the Knights too. Yeah, it, it should be a good spot. They are on a roll right now. I mean. You think that at some point, obviously, I don't think they're going to finish off the season winning every single game. I mean, they've won the nine in a row, but they've done it against, let's be honest about it, some mm-hmm. pretty weak competition. Now, to their credit, they still found a way to win every one of those games. You know, sometimes it's hard to get up when you're playing the same still team that you're win. supposed to win every time. Right. So, you know, to their credit, they've done that. Their goaltending's been superb. Uh, I expect it will probably be pretty good again tonight, too. I am a little bit curious, though, uh, and, and, and I think it's just because of the rotation of it, but 
Remember, Fleury played the back-to-back against Colorado last time these two teams met, including the game up in Tahoe. Robin Leonard hasn't really faced the Avalanche much. Right. You know, so it's remember Fleury had to because Leonard was out. Yeah, he had to because Leonard was out. But, you know, and and I understand the rotation this time, but are they saving Leonard to face Colorado in the playoffs? Do they just think Fleury gives them a better chance? Is it just the rotation thing of it? It's like, I mean, you know, for the rotation, Marc-Andre Fleury's played the toughest team in the division (laughs) a lot more than Robin Leonard has. And Robin Leonard's only lost, like, one game this year. I mean, he's been superb, but but he's also been the benefactor of playing – the the yeah. weaker teams in this division a lot. And, and Flurry will get the start tonight because it is his turn. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying right? yeah, with the right, rotation. Right. If they'd have had the back-to-back like they originally were supposed to, then, you know, then Leonard probably would have played the last one and now Flurry this one, but it's it's not the way it's played out. And I haven't looked ahead forward enough to see on April 10th if it will be Flurry's turn again or if it will be Leonard's. So, you know, it, it, it it's kind of interesting the way that that's played out. And then, of course, we don't know what they're going to do in the playoffs. Right. Will they continue the rotation? Will they go with one goaltender? Rotation's working pretty good right now. It, it's a lot easier for stuff like that to work when you're playing the Kings, the Sharks, the Ducks. I mean, hell, throwing the San Diego Gauls, throwing another <laughs> AHL team from California because – it's not a great division on the bottom half. Nine straight victories over Arizona, the Kings, the Ducks, and the Sharks. Combined, my friend, 97 losses with all of those teams that the Golden Knights have beat during this nine-game winning streak. Well, there's a reason that the first three teams in the NHL to clinch playoff spots came from this division. Because the bottom half of this division is woefully bad. It is bad. They are terrible. And just so people understand the calendar, it is May the 10th that yeah, they will yeah, play May. on okay. that. Sorry. Did I say April? Yeah. yeah. But okay. that's okay. That's okay. I want to make sure that people are going. Put myself what, month a, is, what month is it? Put myself in the Peabody and Sherman time, time machine and <laughs> go back in time or something like that. <laughs> All right. A lot to get to uh, today. Steve Berline will join us as we talk NFL draft. Uh, the quarterback will rank the quarterbacks. We'll talk about the quarterbacks. And, of course, we spent a lot of time on quarterbacks. But as we get closer and close, closer, uh, the quarterbacks – they're the they're the franchise uh, you know they're the future of these franchises and this is rare that we have a quality quarterback class that has as many as six good quarterbacks five maybe even six could go through uh, throughout the first round maybe early second round so we'll talk to Steve Berline about that uh, news today that the Carolina Panthers have traded quarterback Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos for a six round pick so that's interesting we'll dive into that with uh, Steve Berline today. Sam Gordon will join us next hour. Sam is covering the draft for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Our guy on the scene in Cleveland. Hopefully he's uh, get a chance to visit the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame while he's there as well, too. But uh, Sam Gordon will join us next hour as well, too. So a lot to hit on today. NFL draft and then more VGK Colorado preview next hour as well, too. You know, I don't know why, but for some reason... In the back of my mind, I started counting every time you said quarterback because I was thinking if people had to you know, were doing one of those drinking games. Yeah. I think you just said it nine times in that little opening there. You'd be wasted before the show even gets underway today. Oh, bro. I'm low-key. Hey, <laughs> bro. I'll take the under on nine. But, yeah, no doubt. With the emphasis on quarterback. This is a quarterback-driven draft. Well, you're talking to the quarterback about the quarterbacks quarterback. in the upcoming quarterback draft. That's true. <laughs> That's four right there. <laughs> You're drunk, man. <laughs> give him another. There you go. Uh, give him a proper 12. 
proper twelve. Yeah, which is six hundred million. Yeah, which is that is the deal? Now, I, I, does he does McGregor still own a piece of that? Yeah, he does. Okay, yeah. and it's so funny. he just sold a, uh, he he sold a share of it and still got six hundred million. Yeah, out of well, it. the other guys we as we find out with this, and we're talking about Conor McGregor selling his proper twelve. You've seen the commercials, his whiskey brand. Uh, apparently, the minority owners had forty nine percent. Well, they're now the majority owners, so it's really not like they've sold it. They just they just flipped it. They flipped it. They gave him enough money so he could give the 500000 to Poirier so that they could set up their next fight. Yeah. Which he didn't give to Poirier. But he he gave to the Boys and Girls Clubs down around Fayetteville. So it it, it all goes through the same area and everything. So he did live up to his promise. You know darn well Poirier's got nothing to do with with that money or the Boys boys and Girls Club. Oh, McGregor's people probably told him, okay, we gave it to these guys to appease you. Now let's get in the cage and, you know, if Proper 12 doesn't knock you out, I will. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Speaking of quarterbacks, no <laughs> nonsense. I guess I want to say nonsense. When, you know, when you talk about Conor McGregor and you talk about UFC, MMA, boxing, all this stuff. Well, the the news coming down. This looks like it's official. Floyd Mayweather Jr. taking on Logan Paul. Okay, fifty and zero. Arguably the greatest of all time against 0-1. No athletic commission in the world would sanction this. But we've got a fight June the 6th at Miami's Hard Rock Stadium, your home of the Dolphins. I don't know how many people they think are going to be there, but this is a Showtime pay-per-view. So our good friend Al Bernstein will be involved in this. Floyd Mayweather again, 50-0. and Logan Hamanager Paul, 0-1. And that's losing to KSI? Yeah, uh, come on. Who's not a fighter of, of, of any stretch. Oh, I thought it was an offshoot chicken place yeah. or something. So. <laughs> so that is official. Jake Paul, on the other hand, is still looking for his next opponent. And news is coming out that the most likely opponent could be. Are you ready for this? A guy that we haven't heard of, but we heard of the last name. Tommy Fury. Tyson Fury's brother, who's actually a boxer, who actually is 4-0, who's a heavyweight. So Jake Paul looking for his next opponent. Now he wants to target the Fury family. Now how big of a heavyweight is he? And, and what weight are they going to fight at? I have no idea. Because it's, remember, it's all talk right now. Well, because Jake Paul, I believe, fights around 200. Remember, yeah. Daniel Cormier said he'd meet him at 205, right. but that would be an MMA match. Right. Then Kamara Usman said, DC, sit back. Right. I'll take him on. And Jake Paul said, I'm not taking you on in an MMA match. I'm a boxer. Right. Although he's really not, but he is, and he right. makes money now doing it. So right. I guess he is if that's what he can get some commission or something to, to get a fight for him. but uh, So that fight, Usman has said, no, I'm not fighting you in a, in a boxing match. I'll take you on in, in MMA, which wasn't going to happen. Right. So so now Fury comes out. I mean, I know there's still more numbers out there. you know, and, and I know that one of the things Jake Paul told Usman was, if you fight me, I guarantee you will make more money than you ever have in M- any MMA fight, including any fight you have coming up, even as the belt holder. Right. Tommy Fury isn't even quite quite a heavy. I mean, he walks around like around two hundred. But I, guess, I think his fights have been in like a one sixty five, one sixty eight. Okay, so so they can easily make a, yeah. a, a again, weight there. Or and something again, like there's going to be a lot of names that are thrown out here. But again, being the marketing guru that Jake Paul is, 
why not center around the heavyweight champion of the world and having Tyson Fury involved and something to say, probably even the, in the corner, being there, he would help uh, promote it. I mean, that's pretty much ingenious. And I, I saw an interview with uh, Jake Paul saying, yeah, I, I want to do this. So, of course, he wants to do, you know, he wants to fight anybody that he feels that he can beat and he can make money at this. So Nate Robinson's going to be upset that he yeah. doesn't get his rematch, please. <laughs> All right, so there, there's a lot to both of these potential matches here the Mayweather Logan Paul and then Jake Paul who's he going to fight next all right so you, br- you brought up Daniel Cormier all right so Daniel Cormier is of course doing uh you know the blow by blow color analysis of the UFC 261 Saturday night and Jake Paul was at the fight last Saturday so Cormier apparently uh saw Paul there and he had heard the the rumblings that Paul was calling him out so I guess he, he they were in the middle of a break, and he told his producer, he goes, hey, how much time do I got? He goes, well, you've got two minutes. Uh, where are you going? He puts down his headset, and he goes and, and talks to Jake Paul, who was in the crowd there. Oh, they were face-to-face. Right, they were face-to-face for about a minute and a half, two minutes. And he went up to him and said, he goes, hey, he goes, this is Cormier talking. He goes, keep my name out of your mouth. And Cormier said that he started nodding his head and – and say, well, what, you brought it up first in the set. He goes, I'm not playing your game, and so keep my name out of your mouth. Then security came, and then, according to Cormier, that Jake Paul got a little bit tougher at that point in time, and Cormier said he wanted nothing to do with it. So Cormier has talked more uh, about this in the last couple of days. He has a podcast. We'll play some audio, and here are the words from Daniel Cormier, and the questions is, is asked to him. Does he want to fight Jake Paul? I don't want to fight Jake Paul, but I'm not going to let Jake Paul disrespect me. But I'll tell you one thing. Let me tell you one thing about Jake Paul. And I'll refer back to the Conor McGregor deal, right? Conor went to fight Floyd, made a ton of money because he had to. Floyd Mayweather is the greatest boxer of all time. So you go and play on his playing field. Why would I go and box Jake Paul? Who I am? doesn't make me chase anything. I made my money as the heavyweight champion of the world. I don't have to chase a payday. This kid wants to fight. Okay, I'll fight him. But it'll be a mixed martial arts competition. If he wants to actually fight with me, fight me in mixed martial arts, and then I'll fight him all the way down to 205. I'm living happy. I'm fat. I'm healthy. (laughs) I'll go all the way down to 205 to fight this kid in mixed martial arts. If you really want to fight me, like seriously fight me, Fight me in mixed martial arts, and this is not going to be fun. I'm telling you right now, at 42 years old, bad back and everything, I'm going to torture him, and I'm going to hurt him. I don't want to box him. I don't want to fight in a limited skill set of rules. You want to fight me, and you really want to fight me, fight me in a mixed martial arts competition. I'll go all the way back to 205, and I'm going to smash him, and I'm going to hurt him, and then... He can go back to fighting these YouTube kids. But don't think for a second that I would ever chase a payday in boxing because I don't need it. I'm good. I made my money as the champion of the world. You want to really fight me? You got an issue with me? Fight me in mixed martial arts. And I'm going to torture you. And I'm going to rip his face apart. I'm going to hurt the kid. And I will teach these kids not to continue to do this with people like me. Athletes. All right, Daniel Cormier. And like brought up the other day. It's like, no way in the world this match would happen unless it's a boxing match. Jake Paul 
is not going to get in the ring with any MMA, especially you know, a former champion like Daniel Cormier. That's why he's going to handpick and choose what he wants to do. And he's trying to lure certain guys out of their realm into the boxing ring. Good for Cormier saying, I'm not going to succumb to that nonsense. Yeah, MMA, no contest. This thing would be over quickly, but it'll never happen. And glad to hear Cormier said, I'm not playing your games. Forget boxing. This isn't going to happen. Well, I have a little bit of mixed uh, feelings about it because, yeah, okay, at the one point, yeah, Cormier saying, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to, I don't have to chase boxing. Well, guess what? Jake Paul doesn't have to chase MMA. He's getting, he's, he's saying, he never said he's an MMA fighter. He never said, I'm going to get in there. That's why he fought Ben Askren, who's an MMA fighter, but known for his wrestling and said, I will box you. He didn't think he could beat Ben Askren in an MMA fight. So why the hell would he take on Daniel Cormier in an MMA fight? But guess what? Guess what Jake Paul did? He's got Daniel Cormier, who said, I'm not going to give any publicity to this guy, giving him publicity, getting in his face at the UFC event, now talking about it on this thing here, on his podcast and other things out there. Jake Paul is winning this, this, this battle for media attention and media coverage and everything else out there. Daniel Cormier kind of did exactly what he said, I'm not going to do. I don't think sure. Jake Paul ever thought Daniel Cormier was going to fight him. Just like he didn't think McGregor was going to fight him, but he threw his name out there and Pacquiao and everything else. You throw enough bait in the water, you get something to bite, and then you hook it and you reel it in. That's what he did with Askren after beating Nate Robinson. That's what he's trying to do with Fury now. He's, he's an internet sensation, but I think he's also fairly smart. He's not going to put himself, you know, Cormier mentioned, he's taking the, the money money with their book in this. Yeah, he is, because he can and because he's smart about it. What did Floyd Mayweather do his entire career? Even when he fought names, he always made sure that he had the advantage and the odds were stacked in his favor. Jake Paul's doing that on a much lower scale. He's not getting $100 million. He's still making a hell of a lot more than I am. <laughs> you willing to get in the ring with him? There you go. You make a little bit more money. For but... $2 million, I'll get in the ring with him. I, 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 I hope he misses me with the first punch. I'll still take a dive. Sorry, you know I'll tell you right now I will take a dive. I might have a, Somebody might have to help me up. I might have to use the ropes or whatever. For $2 million, laugh at me all you want as long as that check clears. Yeah, sorry, you don't have enough followers. He's only, he's, he's only interested in followers. That's all he's interested in. Who's got the most followers? Well, Isn't no, like that? I told you, when yeah. he fought Ben Askren, he made the joke when Askren's name first came up because it wasn't a big enough name for him. Right. My dog has more <laughs> followers than right. Ben Askren. Because we know that's And it was true. Every, yeah. And right. it was true at the time. Ah, again, this nonsense. Okay. Again, it's spectacle over athletic competition. It's the concert fights. It's, they should just call them concert fights because yeah. isn't there another concert with this Logan Paul? Oh, and I'm sure Mayweather there will be. One? Anything that's going to I mean, be, I don't know who's on it. it well, not the Logan Paul Mayweather won't be because that's going to be a Showtime pay-per-view oh, okay. thing. You know what I'm saying? That'll be treated more like a, a boxing match. Well, not well, a very, well, not well a hopefully very good if one. Al Bernstein is there, then yeah. there's only one other person with him that's a legitimate boxing guy. Yeah. Yeah. Not all that nonsense and contact right. highs up there in the so thing. And That's what you're getting with that Triller nonsense. That, yeah. again, the yeah. J- and, Jake and, Paul, and that's why it's Triller and not Thriller because right. there was nothing thrilling about exactly. it. Exactly. But like I said, spectacle over athletic competition and – so let's ask why this is happening, because this is the part that really infuriates me, especially as a guy who loves combat sports, specifically boxing. But what is upsetting about this is, and I'm hearing it again in the media today, it's like, oh, is this good for boxing? Is it bad for boxing? Because 
people still feel they're out of their minds, okay, that boxing is dead. And I had to hear this the last couple of days ago. Oh, boxing's dead. Boxing is not dead. It's nowhere close to being dead. And if you don't follow boxing, then you're going to think it's dead. It's just like people who don't care for baseball or don't care for soccer. They think, oh, well, that, that, that's dead. It's not me. No, because you and your buddies don't watch that, then that doesn't mean that it's dead. That means that you just don't follow. You're not into it. There are millions upon billions of people that are interested in boxing. Go to any major fight and you will see the pay-per-view numbers, the live gates. We talk about it all the time, the attendance figures. So for morons out there to think that boxing is dead, it, it, it just it just kills me. And they're now comparing this, okay? Boxing doesn't need this match. Boxing doesn't claim these type of goofball spectacles, these circus matches, Okay. And that's what we're, why we're getting this. We are getting this because of the popularity of boxing. That's what people don't understand. Jake Paul wants to be a boxer. Why? Because he loves the sweet science and he couldn't be a boxer. Logan Paul couldn't be a boxer. Like I've stated time and time again, these guys couldn't go through the rigors of being a real boxer and going in training and going through the amateur ranks and having over a hundred plus fights and then maybe trying to get a professional contract where the competition is at the elite level. They can't do that. So they want to circumvent it because they love boxing. They want to be boxers. And again, they're not going to get the big paydays that the big boxers get, but they can't do it. They're imitating boxers they're infatuated with the sport they're emulating these boxers that they want to be and why is all this because of the popularity of the sport that's why all this is happening not because boxing is dead there's an alternative because they want to be in this limelight and gain those big dollars but they can't do it the conventional way so they got to pick and choose well i don't know that i you can 100% say they can't do it the conventional way because they've never tried. I mean, Jake Paul does have some skills. We saw that. And to his credit, I will say he's at least taken it serious. But why right. would he take it the conventional way? Why would you have 100 amateur fights when you can get in the ring against Nate Robinson right. and, and he gets $2 million and you get more than that? And then you fight up Ben Askren, who's basically a retired fighter. But that's going to end very soon. Gone. Well, it, it might, but yeah. he's still trying to. I mean, to what's live the shelf life of how many of these, these Ham and Eggers? Again, he's he's not oh, the only thing he's doing with his own persona and his people is his is his click. But again, the more of this nonsense goes on, the the, the general public will will just shy away. It's like well, again, well, possibly, again, but, but, again. But, but we don't know what his big yeah. plan is. We don't know what his end game is. I have no idea. Maybe he doesn't even have one at this point because he's what twenty four years old. But yeah. I'll make another reference to yeah. you. You know who the Miz is, right? Yes. WWE yeah. wrestler. Yeah. He started out on Real World or one of the TV shows. He was a reality TV guy. Oh, sure. Then yeah. he became a wrestler. Now he's got Miz and Mrs. or whatever. Oh, or something. Yeah, a lot of wrestlers. Maybe Jake Paul's way, looking yeah. at something like that yeah. down the road. Maybe yeah. he figures once this fades out and I can't, maybe I join WWE. Maybe I join a, a, A&E or something or something. You know, he's got his name out there. He's got all the followers in that. He's got people that love him. He's got people that hate him. Your daughter mentioned that to us, Jules, that, mm -hmm. you know, that part of his popularity is the fact that he's so unpopular because people can't stand him. Like Mayweather. You know, right. but right. again, if people are buying the tickets because they want to see Justin Bieber in the concert, or if the people that are actually want to see the fight, half of them hate him and half of them love him, at least he's got two halves buying the tickets for it. 
I think right now he's striking while the iron's hot. He's 24 years old. He's making a lot of money. He's made a name for himself. Maybe he fades away and we just never hear from him again. No, but, I, but maybe, again, would it surprise you at all if Vince McMahon down the road someplace, no. all of a sudden Jake Paul ended up being a WWE wrestler after a couple more fights or when the first guy finally knocks his butt out? And I don't know if that ends it because his brother has a fight with Mayweather and he hasn't won it. He didn't even win his fight. But in the entertainment realm, you're absolutely correct. He is in the entertainment realm. He's not in the sports realm. He's not in the boxing realm. And again, like you said, with these shows, that's what they are, shows, they are concerts. They're events. They're not sporting events. They're and maybe he sanctioned. gets a reality TV show. Exactly. Off it or That's something. where I'm going. Exactly. Wrestling is like reality television. That sort of thing. That's re- good for him. Great. Exactly. But he's not going to be respected as an athlete and as a boxer. It's just like the celebrity boxing stuff. Okay. Remember way back when with Danny Bonaduce this and that. People watched it. Danny Bonaduce and they, Barry Williams. There you go. Greg Brady. They, they, they fought at the Limelight in Chicago. I've been there. It's a great venue. My point exactly. <laughs> and that had a little bit of a shelf life. And then what happened? Don't talk about it anymore. Right down the toilet. Right down the tank. So this, again, this isn't being innovative. This is something that's been going on, I'm not even going to say for years and decades. I mean, we go back. We will go back to Muhammad Ali. You're wrestling Aoki and, and the wrestler. This is where this and, goes. And all he did was lay on his back the whole time. Exactly. And again, if you people don't know what we're talking about here, he was a wrestler from Japan who they were supposed to have this match, and he just basically laid on the mat the whole time saying, come on down to my world, and Ali's like, are you stupid? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not coming down there. And there will be other guys. I mean, Jake Paul will go ahead and reach out to these guys and tease it like he did with Daniel Cormier, and 100% right, Cormier bit. Okay, he's not. They're not going to fight, but he bit, and this is garnishing now national, worldwide, uh, you know, media attention, and has us talking about it. And other athletes will come up now and say, "Well, I can fight this guy." Because they see it just like you do. They say, hey, man, if I can make a million or two or something like that, sign me up. So there will be a long laundry list of people that he could fight. But at what point are people going to continue to want to see this besides his followers? That's it. it. it, It always brings me back whenever we talk about something like this or you see something like this, the OPT Barnum expression. There's a sucker born every minute and two to take them. And right now, Jake Paul is taking and taking and taking. And my gut feeling is he's going to continue to take until people are too dumb to continue to give. And I don't know when that is, especially in this world where everybody's looking for the three-ring side. Remember, the circus is out of business. The Jake Paul circus is in full bloom. I don't think Barton and Bailey have ever left. Uh, Still packing out arenas. They'll be back. Can't have the the elephants. Yeah. Elephants are awesome. How about the guy in the flying trapeze? Something else, isn't he? Uh, More daring when he does it without the net. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of circus, Steve Berline's going to join us next. Well, no, uh, you know that'll go in a couple different directions. But no, seriously, NFL draft talk with the quarterback as we break down the NFL draft. Sam Gordon will join us next hour from Cleveland as well, too. Plus more VGK talk. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank, on this Wednesday. The T.C. Martin Show is back. Yes! Yes! What are you doing? It's just a halftime. Yes, this is my favorite part of the game. T.C. Martin. Yes! In the face! The doctor is now in. 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 
Friday at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Come on by, see the show live. Be a glorious day as we talk a little Kentucky Derby. We get ready for the first Saturday in May, which happens to be May 1st, right? May Day. May Day. May Day. There it is. Kentucky Derby preview. Be breaking it all down for you. Marco D'Angelo will join us. Double B. Dr. Christina Madison, our girl, our doctor. More COVID news coming out. Yes, and uh, Vegas close to going to 80% capacity, soon to be 100%. Concerts are back in the fold uh, on the Strip. A uh, lot better than India's doing. Y- yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes, we won't talk about that. But, uh, yeah, so you, you know, come June, July, August, we're going to get back uh, to life as we know it on the Las Vegas Strip and here in town. So uh, look forward to seeing our girl, Dr. Christina Madison, giving us our latest update live at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas on Friday. Still wondering how Bill Foley and the Golden Knights feel about Dana White selling out T-Mobile Arena and they still can't right now. Not sure exactly how all that stuff works. But by the time that that hap- that the, that event happens, you think they maybe will. They will. Oh yeah. Will they? Oh yeah. We'll I mean, if you're going to have an event, say in June, whether it's it's hockey, a concert, uh, any any other sporting event, yeah, you're you know, again, it, it's not like. I thought they this still had a go- petition with the CDC and the county and all that kind of stuff. I thought there were still some hoops to get over. There there may be, but again, if Dana White's going to sell those tickets, the Golden Knights going to be sell the tickets uh, as well, too. For- well, Dana sold them. Yeah. They sold out fast. Yeah. I'm, we'll continue to monitor that. All right. Our good friend, Steve Berline, the former quarterback himself, CBS Sports. He joins us now. Steve, what's going on, my man? You got it. Always happy to do it. Hey, uh, we're going to talk NFL draft with you, but before we dive into that, uh, one of your former teams, the Carolina Panthers, made a trade today. Quarterback Teddy Bridgewater going to another one of your former teams. I don't know if you were involved in negotiating this deal or what, but Teddy Bridgewater, now a member of the Denver Broncos, in exchange for a six-round pick. Carolina's going to pay him $7 million. Denver's going to pay him $3 million. Uh, how is that that uh, Carolina is saying, "Hey, we're going to pay you to go away"? That's that's not always a good sign. But uh, well, well, first off, every transaction generally involves one of my former teams, yeah. so uh, that's that's not a, that big of a deal. But um, you know, I, I feel for Teddy Bridgewater, and uh, I think this is a great situation for him. You know, to kind of start fresh again, not that he needed it. I really think the, the Panthers maybe pulled the plug a little bit early on him. Um, when you consider all the different variables, I just don't think Sam Darnold uh, is clearly an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. And, uh, you know, you look at all the different factors that went into last year, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater making the move to a new team, new city, um, you know, no, with the, with the, the most, uh, you know, challenging offseason in the history of, of NFL football with all the COVID restrictions and everything. Uh, you combine Caffrey was only on the field for about three games last year, one of your primary weapons. Um, or, I mean, you're, you're not one of, one of the more primary weapons in the NFL. Um, and so all those things work against Teddy Bridgewater, I think he would have probably really improved his level of play in year two 
but, you know, the Panthers, for whatever reason, decided they wanted to make a change, and he's going to a team that is very quarterback hungry right now, so uh, he's going to have a chance to, to prove himself again. And we know that Denver has Drew Locke uh, already there, and they like Drew Locke from what we hear, but does acquiring Bridgewater now take the Broncos out of selecting a quarterback with that ninth overall pick? As we know, very, very deep and heavy quarterback draft here. Well, yeah, I I don't see it happening um, with, with that trade and with them, you know, willing to to pay Teddy Bridgewater what the, you just said the three million. Um, you know, I think it's a to me the expectation is for uh, Teddy Bridgewater to come in and um, compete head up with Drew Locke and and maybe even start the season. Because, uh, you know, Vic Fangio and, and that organization, they're probably under some pressure to get it going here right now. Uh, and, and I think they want to get off to a good start. Or maybe the mentality is we'll give Drew Locke a chance to show if he can do it initially but not hesitate to go to Teddy Bridgewater if, uh, if Drew Locke struggles out of the gate. So there, there's a lot of different ways the Broncos could be looking at it. Um, I think it's a, it, it's a good move to – kind of ensure themselves uh, against, uh, you know, the potential failure another year at at the quarterback position. You know, I was watching some reports today, and they were saying that um, Denver has announced that it doesn't mean that they're necessarily out of the market for a quarterback, but then maybe they just don't want to tip their hand. But with Bridgewater coming there, if they were going to take a quarterback or people thought they were going to, do you think this maybe things opens up for Denver to maybe make a trade for somebody else trying to move up to that spot? That's the way I'm looking at it. I, I don't think that um, there there would be any scenario where it would make sense for them to use a high draft choice on uh, a young quarterback unless they believe that there's somebody out there that's willing to make a trade for Drew Locke. Um, you know that would then make sense if if um, you know if there was uh, someone that they were they had something going on with behind the scenes right now that maybe wanted to make a move for Drew Locke, and, and then that would open up the, the the right scenario for a young quarterback to come into and learn from Teddy Bridgewater, um, you know, or, or, you know, potentially play and have Teddy Bridgewater again. There is a, an insurance policy. But uh, I think that them coming out and saying they're not out of the market simply is just to try to uh, give them a little bit more strength uh, as far as trading down and, and getting something valuable for that pick. Steve Berline uh, joins us talking a little uh, trade action here, potentially here in the draft. Also, quarterbacks, we'll get to that in a minute. You mentioned Sam Darnold, and you know he is the starter now will be in Carolina. I agree with you, Steve. I don't, I don't think he is an upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. The strange fact about this is that this is the second time that tri- Teddy Br- Bridgewater has been traded, and again, after a team acquired Sam Darnold. The Jets traded him to Carolina after Darnold was drafted by the Jets, and now it happens again. So I don't know what it is uh, about the, the the karma between these two guys, but wow! I mean, Sam Darnold comes and Teddy says, "I got to go again." <laughs> well, uh, you know that, that's pretty ironic. I, I didn't even really connect those dots, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm, I'm sure that that Teddy Bridgewater would love to get Sam Darnold out of his rearview mirror by going out and playing well and, and taking advantage of the next opportunity. But uh, the great thing about it, and, and, you know, that's as a former quarterback who bounced around quite a bit, 
Um, you know, you, you get into it, you all, all quarterbacks, all players crave stability, and you want to find that one good opportunity that you think uh, is going to give you a chance to really prove yourself. Um, and if you don't get it uh, in, in a situation like hypothetically what, what uh, Teddy Bridgewater had this past year in Carolina, you're just hoping you're going to get another chance at some point. And I, I think this is a good situation for Teddy to, to go out and make a lot of money again. Ten million bucks is, you know, it, that's a dream uh, uh, number for a lot of people to make that much in their lifetime. Uh, to go out and, and have a chance to go make that money and potentially get a chance to prove himself again. I think all things considered, he's got to feel pretty good about uh, the fact that he's going to get another chance. All right, let's talk quarterback draft. We touched on uh, this with you last week here. I want you to rank your top quarterbacks. and You did a fantastic job on your NFL draft preview show on the CBS Sports Network with your other uh, QB colleagues and everything. But I'm real curious, Steve, when you look at these guys and watch them live, you look at the tape, you, you look at the measurables and all this stuff, it seems like it's a foregone conclusion. We know Trevor Lawrence is going to Jacksonville. It seems like the Jets are are sold on Zach Wilson. Then the draft really is going to start, I guess, with San Francisco here. Is there that much of a difference between, say, Lawrence and then Wilson and then Wilson and everybody else? What do your eyes see? Well, I think the the – the one that you can't argue is number one, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now, that doesn't mean I don't feel as good about him right now coming out as a rookie uh, as as Joe Burrow or, uh, you know, uh, Herbert from last year. I thought both of those guys were uh, a little bit ahead of Trevor Lawrence in terms of their NFL overall readiness. Uh, that doesn't mean that by the end of the year I might feel differently uh, because I think Trevor Lawrence has every bit as much athletic ability as as uh, both of those guys, um, and he's got the size. And uh, I think maybe Herbert's got a little bit better arm strength than Trevor Lawrence, uh, but but he he Trevor Lawrence is the real package, the real deal. Uh, anybody in that number one spot, um, if if they don't have their quarterback of the future, would be salivating for the chance to get him, and then. For, for from the Jets' perspective, they do love Zach Wilson. It seems that, that everybody agrees that's where he's going to go. I think he's got a lot of special qualities, but uh, there's a lot of question marks in my mind still about everybody after Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think that this class has the potential to possibly produce three uh, really solid starting quarterbacks, um, which is I, I think that would be considered a successful draft. Uh, if you can, if you, I mean, in terms of all ranking quarterback classes, I think that's kind of the, the number that you go by. If three of these guys that turn out to be really good, solid NFL quarterbacks, that's a good draft class. But, um, you know, I, I think that third spot, uh, a lot of people seem to think that Mac Jones um, might be fitting Kyle Shanahan's eye a little bit more so than uh, Trey Lance. Uh, I just don't see it. Uh, I think that the upside with Trey Lance is is greater than the upside with Mac Jones. I think, uh, you know, you look at the, the dual threat possibility and you look at the fact that Trey Lance has just really uh, only had one full year of playing. But he, that year he threw 28 touchdown passes and zero interceptions. And he ran for over 1,100 yards and 15 touchdowns. And those are those are amazing stats. I don't care what level you're at, 28 touchdowns 
zero interceptions in a run-heavy offense. Uh, that, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I do like Mac Jones. Uh, I just don't see him being a top-five NFL quarterback with his physical limitations. Um, you know, he's a classic drop-back guy. Not that I'm against those guys because I was one, and there's one by the name of Tom Brady who's done pretty well for himself. And you look through the history of this league, very few non-traditional backup or, uh, uh, drop-back passers have been able to go on and win Super Bowls. Uh, but um, I just think Trey Lance, the potential and the the uh, upside for him is going to make him that number three guy. And then, you know, from there, how far Mac Jones falls, uh, I don't know what that number is, and I don't know where Justin Fields fits into it. Uh, but those guys both, I'm sure, will find their way to a team in the first round. So you're going to go North Dakota State over Alabama, huh? A guy, a guy that has had one game in in this year, this spring. I think Mac Jones has faced a better competition in practice every day against Alabama defense. I'm no like, doubt, but he also <laughs> had uh, he, he he also had uh, four number one draft choices uh, that he was throwing the ball to, and uh, arguably, um, you know, three deep offensive line that's better than most teams in uh, Division One football. Um, and, you know, we can make the argument either way. Uh, I'm not knocking Mac Jones because I think what he did was unbelievable, uh, but in a very, very blessed situation. And, you know, I think there's a lot of players that you put him in there, at quarterback behind, in that system are going to have tremendous success and uh, find themselves in a pretty good position to be drafted, you know, given what Nick Saban has, has built there. So, you know, um, right now. So, um, you know, I, I just my personal preference in the upside and what, what I just study in Trey Lance, I think that guy is a special talent. He looks to me to be comfortable in the pocket, um, you know, going through progressions, making reads. And I think he's going to end up having a pretty good pro career. Mac Jones, I just think there's a there's a limit to how good he can be. I want to bring up something or go back to something you mentioned with Trevor Lawrence when you said you thought that Burrow and uh, Herbert were maybe a little bit more NFL ready. Is that because of the way that they prepared and the teams that they played for? Or did some of it have to do with just the way that this last season went with the shorter schedule, the craziness? And, of course, Trevor Lawrence also missed a couple games because of COVID issues. I think it's just uh, what he was asked to do at Clemson versus what those guys were asked to do at Oregon, and then the natural ability of, of Herbert, to me, rivals Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you, you see what this guy, Herbert, did uh, his rookie year, uh, uh, you know, under fire with the Chargers. I, I think he was one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL when blitzed, when under pressure. Um, he made he, When he sees pressure coming, his eyes light up, and he wants to make you pay immediately with a big dagger shot down the field. Uh, and, he, and he stood in there and made those throws. Uh, he's got the athletic ability with his feet to move and everything else. And, you know, what Burrow did, uh, he's maybe not quite as explosive as an athlete. And obviously the knee injury is going to be a major uh, uh, hurdle for him to overcome to be the same player. But I think he's, I think he's going to do it. And uh, he, he was having success up there in Cincinnati before um, you know, the injury, obviously, he was having a, a pretty darn good rookie year. I think with Trevor Lawrence, you got to look at a couple things. One, he completed, what, 65 to 70% of his passes, but he threw 
over, I think the number, and Phil Sims talked about this on our show the other day, I think he threw close to 100 completions on screen passes um, uh, this year to wide receivers or running backs. And now that that's a huge number of completions in screen type of situations. Uh, that is not going through progressions, reading up the field, and trying to get through an NFL type of a progression that he's going to have to do. Um, I, I think his accuracy can be improved. I think he gets a little bit lazy in the pocket with his footwork sometimes, and ball gets the ball gets away from him at times because of that. But I do believe with the right coaching and the right system, he'll pick it up very quickly, and he'll he'll establish himself as a a great young quarterback in this league who should uh, have a, a banner career without a doubt. All right, the former quarterback, CBS Sports analyst, Steve Berline joins us. Steve, we've talked so much. Everyone's been talking about the quarterback position. When you look at the rest of this draft, it seems like we're really not talking too much about a couple other marquee positions on offense, and that's the running backs and uh, even the wide receivers, probably a little bit more wide receivers than running backs in this draft. Which position kind of intrigues you a little bit that you're going to be keeping an eye on when the draft starts tomorrow night? Well, I think all of them. Um, you know, they're all they're all there's there's stories in every one of them. But I love I love explosive wide receivers, and uh, between the three that uh, we I mean at least three that we know are going to go high. Um, when you talk about Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Waddle from Alabama. Uh, those are all guys that are going to go uh, very high, um, and, and they're going to be superstar pro players. I don't think there's any doubt in most people's minds. And you could also throw Kyle Pitts in there, you know, the tight end, uh, who's probably going to go number four at, uh, uh, you know, to the Atlanta Falcons. I think he's a guy that you might as well include him as a wide receiver with how I think he's going to enhance the uh, Atlanta Falcons passing game with his physical ability. So that's that's a great that's a great position I think to watch. Uh, running backs, we'll see if uh, either of the top guys that are talked about um, are going to be you know guys that are going to go in that first round. You know, it's been rare uh, and very you know hasn't been a, a real um, uh, common thing to see uh, running backs going in the first round in recent years, but. You know, I think there's a couple guys that you could you could see maybe slipping in there this year with uh, Najee Harris and uh, um, who's the other one that everybody's talking Travis about. Travis Etienne. Name. Travis Etienne from Clemson. Yeah, Etienne yeah. out of Clemson. Yep, yep. Uh, so those are guys that that you know could find their way up in there in the you know definitely in the you know middle to late part of the first round. But um, I don't think it's a guarantee that both of those guys will go in the first round. So. Um, we'll see. We'll see how, how hungry people are to take a risk at a position where, you know, you're hoping to get uh, seven or eight years max out of a running back. Is that worth uh, investing a, a first-round draft choice in? All right. Since we started uh, talking about uh, two of your former teams, let's close this on another one of your former teams, the Raiders here in Las Vegas. What do you think the Raiders are going to do with pick 17? Uh, that's a good good, good question i mean there's a lot of ways they can go with it i'd love to i'd love to see him pick an impact player to, to um you know Im- impact that defense and then raise that level of play uh also it'd be great uh, as a as a former quarterback if they get a shot at, at uh you know a good uh highly regarded offensive lineman uh somewhere around that pick i think that would be fantastic as well um the uh what, what is that uh 
Koromoa, the linebacker from uh, from, from Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame, yeah. yeah, my alma mater. Yeah. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see another Golden Domer wearing the silver and black. Yeah. That'd be that'd be a nice fit for him, I think, in a lot of ways defensively. Um, so we'll see. I mean, uh, that, that would be a one, a one that I would think would be a, a really nice impact player to get in the middle of the first round. All right, my friend, uh, we'll let you go. So how long did it take you to devour the buckets of chicken from the Blue Ribbon of the Cosmopolitan on the way home? <laughs> you know, uh, I, I'm uh, happy to admit they actually made it back to my house. Oh, wow. Uh, so I could actually I could heat them up and then eat them, uh, you know, and sit down and really enjoy them instead of getting my steering wheel all greasy and uh, have to deal with that kind of an issue. So You paced yourself. Um, Very impressive. Yeah, you paced I yourself. I paced myself, and it was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. Plus, you were practicing so, uh, safety on the roadway, so that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly right. I, I didn't want to, uh, you know, my my inability to control my excitement about a drumstick uh, cost me a little bit more in the pocketbook with an accident. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll Definitely see. worth it. We'll see if they can uh, maybe deliver to you. I mean, maybe send a helicopter your way, you know, and uh, drop some chicken off to you. Literally, how's that? That would be that would be fantastic. I got to tell you something else, though, man. I I just got back last night. I was in Kiowa Island for a few days over the weekend. I played the Ocean Course, oh. where uh, they were playing the PGA Championship in about three weeks. Uh, and man, it is in spectacular shape and. I'm happy to say I actually showed up with my with my A game, so uh, I, I actually played pretty well that day out there. So, um, it, what, that. what an experience! So, what an experience! Yeah, fantastic. Now, see, they, they because you, you got so warmed up here in in Vegas, they tuned you up for for the PGA Tour course. You know, that's the deal. Well, well, now remember, I only got 13 holes in it at uh, <laughs> Angel Park. So, I, and uh, and uh, it was up. a fairly late. It was a fairly late night the night before, so I don't know if I actually brought my A game that day, but uh, I was geared up and ready to go for the ocean course. It was awesome. Nice job, buddy. Nice job. Good stuff. All right, my friend. Yeah, thank uh, you. Enjoy, enjoy the uh, draft uh, coming up uh, tomorrow and this weekend. Appreciate the time, uh, as always, my friend, to tap into your insight and everything. And, again, fantastic job with the CBS Sports Special with yourself and Phil Sims and, and your quarterback cohorts over there at CBS. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, buddy. All right. Take care. There he is. Okay. We'll catch up with you. You got yeah. it. All right. Steve Berline, the former quarterback. After skiing at Beaver Creek, isn't everything kind of a warm up after that? I mean, you're out of the snow. You're right. <laughs> this guy's everywhere. I mean, he's, he's skiing, he's golfing here, golfing in the ocean. The life of Steve Berline. Amazing. You know? Plus, you don't want to fill out that accident report either. Cause of accident, chicken wings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Chicken grease on the steering wheel. (laughs) Whoop, something slipped there. Not Uh, sure that's covered with the insurance. (laughs) More draft talk coming your way on the other side. Sam Gordon, who is in Cleveland from the Las Vegas Review Journal, our guy. He will join us coming up, and uh, we'll talk more about tonight's game at the Fortress Golden Knights taking on the Colorado Avalanche. T.C. Martin, Ballpark Frank on this Wednesday.